Hey, it's Adam. Welcome to our weekly teaching podcast here at South Hills Church in Corona, California. Our hope is that as you listen in, you'll find yourself laughing and learning and being challenged and encouraged to grab hold of who God has made you to be. Enjoy the message. Merry Christmas. Good to see you guys. Uh, thank you so much for choosing of all the things you could be doing to spend part of your holiday here with us here at South Hills. And uh, if I haven't met you, my name is Adam, and I'm the campus pastor here at our Corona campus. And uh, tonight, I want to just spend a few moments sort of diving into the Christmas story and what's so meaningful about it and why it matters. Uh, if if uh, you are a regular part of our church, we've, we've spent the past few weeks sort of dissecting each of these three stories uh, in the classic nativity story where they bring these three gifts. And we've been talking about what they are, but I want to back up even before that and talk about what even brought them to Jesus in the first place. And so uh, this isn't going to be like if you didn't see the first three episodes, you're going to be lost. It'll still make sense if you haven't. Uh, but I do want to encourage you to go back and, uh, and watch or catch up on our podcast um, because I really do believe the stuff you stand to learn has the power to, to change your life and to, and to change your story. Um, so tonight, um, I want to sort of unpack a little bit about why Christmas is such a big deal. And I think for probably a lot of us, Christmas is about nostalgia and tradition. I'm sure for probably a lot of you guys, just like with my family, there are certain things that you do a certain way every single year. And in fact, there's probably certain things that it, Christmas doesn't really feel like Christmas until you, you make that thing or you go there or you do that certain activity. How many of you have certain things you have to eat every single Christmas? Anybody in here? Okay, a few hands and a bunch of liars. That's fine. The Lord is watching. Um, some of you are like, I've eaten so much of it, I, I've, I can't even raise my head. I'm that tired from eating. Um, maybe for some of you, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's certain ways of doing things. Like, how many of you are like open presents on Christmas Eve sort of people? Uh, how many of you are here, right? And so, like, your whole family's just like, let's wrap it up. Okay, there's things I want to get to. There's things I want to open up. How many of you, it's Christmas Day. It's going to be Christmas Day uh, because that's when Santa arrives and that's how it has to be. I get it. I get it. We have these certain things that we do our way a certain way that makes Christmas feel like Christmas, and our family has those traditions too. Um, one of the things that we do, like almost immediately after Thanksgiving, we uh, make sure the whole family is home on the same night, which is now getting more difficult as our kids are getting older, and we put on the movie White Christmas. How many of you have seen this movie before? Fantastic movie, and obviously, as you can tell by this still, it's a fun, family-friendly movie uh, with no weird parts, and... We put on this movie and we decorate the Christmas tree. And my wife has kept every single ornament that my kids have ever made or brought home, and she's adding to it every single year. And so it looks like our Christmas tree, it's just, there, you can barely see the tree. You know what I mean? There's so many ornaments on it. It looks like a scrapbook just threw up on a pine tree. And we love it. We wouldn't have it any other way. And I'm sure when we get down the road further, much, much further, uh, there's going to be like, you know, grandkids ornaments and so many other things happening there. And uh, just many more things for our cat to destroy on the tree. We can't wait. We're looking forward to it. But it's a thing that we do 
every single year. And all of that decorating and readying for the holidays is topped off with, of course, this moment where we push pause on the movie and we turn the lights off in the house, we turn the lights on the tree, and we crown the tree with a star. And it's, it's this very specific ritual. This is our actual tree with the actual star. Um, and, and every single year, it rotates. Like a different kid gets to do it, and we have a, uh, a legal document that we track it on um, that's recorded on the side of the box because if we don't, uh, fistfights will break out over who gets to put the star on the tree to celebrate baby Jesus, right? Some of you are passionate about this, right? You're just like, I will kill someone over whether or not I get to do the thing I need to to celebrate our Lord and Savior. It's bizarre, but, you know, traditions are a big deal. And maybe you, maybe you have a star that goes on your tree as well. Statistically, that's the number one topper of trees is a star, and maybe you didn't know that. Maybe you're like, wow, we're in the minority. Um, we don't have that. Maybe you do. But it comes from the original nativity story. It comes from this specific passage, this story that the video references. And I want to read you the first couple sentences of where this star that sort of became a part of our tradition came from in the first place. It's found in Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And it says this, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And about that time, wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we've come to worship him. Some of you are like, I I actually thought that was going to be longer than it was. There's so much tradition that is built around just a couple short sentences and uh, maybe it would surprise you to know that like not just the nativity scene that you have set up at your house and not just the stuff we talk about here, but countless like representations in the art world all over the earth have been inspired by just these couple sentences. Like I'll, I'll show you some examples and maybe some of these seem familiar to you. Like there's this painting that's basically just, it's the generic thing, right? It's the, the wise men and they see the, the star slash spaceship in the distance and they're like wow we should go over there and they see it and it's amazing then there's this one um, which is they're a little bit closer right they they I guess this is like after the last one and this one's got more of like a, a, a new year's kind of vibe because they're you know they're they're sort of cheersing you know the baby Jesus they're holding out and they're being like congratulations and pouring one out for the Lord and they're very excited and they're about ready to go down in the house but they don't want to drink near the manger and I get that I understand that I think that's respectful then there's this other one um, which is sort of like now it's not quite a star it's more of like a comet right and it more asked the question of like what if they were you know really into cosplay and you know one of them is like hey, you should wear a Superman cape. Another one's like, I'm going to wear a birthday hat. And they just got into it, you know? And this sort of like presupposes that. Um, And then there's more like classic uh, renditions of it. Like during the Renaissance, there's a lot of paintings of biblical scenes. This one has got all the classic characters. You got Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus and the wise men bowing down and the naked Greco-Roman wrestling team um, that you want. Only the, the classic characters that you guys are all familiar with. Some of you are like, did I miss that? Is that in the story? Right? Where they just appear and they're like, let's get shirtless and wrestle. You know what I mean? And they're like, what are you doing? That's like, it's for the Lord. Okay. It's for the Lord. 
There's another one that's from the same time period, and they removed the naked wrestlers and instead inserted the naked angel babies and that are like kind of chubby and awkward hovering above Mary and the wise men are bowing. And then there's the one, this is my favorite part of this one, is there's the wise man who's getting LASIK eye surgery from the star. And this is the first recorded LASIK eye surgery miracle that I'm aware of. Maybe you guys have heard of others, but this is the only one that I know. And and then there's this last one, which is like more of a, like a lithograph, and it's probably my favorite. And this is obviously they're doing the TikTok dance um, together, synchronized, wearing their Lularoe leggings. And I, that's, I think, why I like it so much, because, you know, they were, they were based in Corona for a while. So it's kind of, it feels like home, you know? And obviously, like, as we're kind of going through these, these are just a, a, a smattering, a sampling of all that's available. But like, these artesians, they took some creative license, and I think that's fine. But the thing that we definitely do know, according to the story in Scripture, is that when this star appeared, these guys instantly dropped everything to follow it. And that has always made me wonder, what, like, what has to be going on in someone's life? that makes them decide to just sort of walk away from everything in order to walk towards a star. Like this is going to be your full-time gig for the next couple years, just sort of chasing a star. Like I can't imagine like how would that go over with your family? You know, you're like, I'm just going to take some time off work, you know, take a couple years, chase a star on Camelback. You know, it's not weird. It, don't make it weird. It's going to be fun. I, it's something that I want to do. It seems odd. And it seems even more odd when you look at the types of people that this story is talking about. Matthew is the, the only gospel writer in scripture that talks about this particular scene and this particular storyline. And the way he describes these people, these wise men, these magi from the east, he talks about them as if they are wealthy and well-respected, as if they're always rubbing shoulders with royalty. They have easy access to talk to and influence whoever they want to. It's like they have it all. Everything anyone could ever want, everything that everybody else dreams about having and experiencing, they've got. They've made it. Or did they? Because I think the thing that I've realized about life, and maybe you have too, is just because something looks bright on the outside doesn't mean it doesn't feel dark on the inside. I think people could look at, at these characters, these people, and everything that they have, and everything that they are, and everything that they've accomplished, and all they've amassed, and think, man, their life looks so bright. If I could just be and do and experience that, I'd have it made. And yet that's not always what it feels like when you finally get there. And you know this feeling. You've probably had this experience at some point in your life. Like maybe there was enough to, to sort of piece together to make yourself presentable to the rest of the world, at least on Instagram and Facebook, right? But that's not really the whole story of what was happening. Because deep inside there was a whole lot of darkness that you had hidden away and pushed down that you tried to conceal from the rest of the world. And sometimes you can ignore it, but sometimes it feels real heavy. There's very few people that know the depths of what's going on inside you. And maybe you have that strategy of just sort of trying to stay busy and, and, and preoccupy yourself so you don't have to deal with it. But 
every so often when your schedule sort of frees up and life slows down and you're just sort of sitting around with your thoughts, they have a way of reminding you that your life doesn't look anything like you once thought it would. Like you haven't arrived. Like all of the things that you have done and achieved aren't really fooling anyone. And there's this sadness that sort of sinks in. And maybe in that moment, you looked around your life and just thought, man, the things that I hate most about my situation, they're unfixable. Maybe it led you down this really dark path of thinking like, I feel like my story is doomed. Like, like, like there's something about me that's, that's skewed or broken in a way that won't go away. And there's no real way to describe this feeling other than it's just dark. You feel lost. You feel alone. You feel like you're fumbling around trying to find a sense of purpose. And I think what's surprising is sometimes it's the people who look the brightest that are actually struggling with the most hidden darkness. I went to a, a concert with my friend Jeremy um, a couple nights ago. And we went to LA, and I was really excited. This is, uh, I love these musicians. It's like a side project um, that they were working on, and I was so excited to see them, and he's as much of a super fan as I am. And we went, and they did that thing where, you know, at the end of concerts where they're like, and that's the show, but you're like, is it the show? Is there more that's gonna happen? And so they leave, and you're cheering because it's great, but then you're like cheering louder because you're like, maybe if we cheer louder, they'll come back, right? And they'll do like an encore. And so we're cheering and everyone's screaming and like asking them to come back out. And then I don't know what they're doing back there. If they're just like eating some M&Ms, going to the bathroom, taking a shower, whatever. And they do, they hear us and they come back and they're waving and everyone's excited. And like the energy, it's so, there's so much energy and excitement in the room. And normally when bands come back, they, they save like one of their best songs. And it's usually something that's really energetic that everyone is gonna get into and clap and sing dance to, but they don't do this. They come out and the lead singer sits at this piano and he starts to play this really quiet, soothing song. And the other members of the band join in. And I'm telling you, within seconds, the whole place goes from this like frenzy into complete silence. Like so much so that like you're sort of even though it's quiet, you're straining to hear the song. It's sort of washing over the audience, and you can hear the people breathing near you. And it was this really interesting moment, and I closed my eyes, and I was just sort of listening to the words. And at one point, I thought I heard someone sniffle, and so I opened my eyes, and I'm looking around the room at all of these people who got dressed up, had dates with them. I mean, like, they looked about as put together as the most hipstery of hipster people in LA could possibly be. And during this song, I'm looking around the room and watching these people just cry. And as I was thinking about the words that were, were being sung, it, it felt even more intense to me. The, the guy who's singing in this like, very high, hypnotic sort of falsetto just was repeating the chorus of the song over and over again. And he just said these words, someone lead me out the darkness, out the darkness. He just kept crooning them over and over and over again. And there was a sense as I looked around the room that everyone knew exactly what he was talking about. 
the types of people that you would not assume were struggling with darkness holding them down. I knew exactly the feeling that he was describing. Like since the concert, I've been thinking about this moment a lot, and, it, and what it's made me think is just how familiar that moment felt, even though I've not had it exactly that way before. Because there have been moments where I've been with people and a song plays and everyone connects to it and feels something that you can tell they've maybe been stuffing down for a while. Because this is a part of who we are. Like all of human history has this pattern of us writing these, the same sort of song over and over and over again with the same sort of heart cry. In fact, in, in, in years and in years and years and years, generations before this star appears mysteriously in the east, there's another set of lyrics that's written by an Old Testament prophet and poet named Isaiah Lyrics that would be spoken and sung in temples and tabernacles in ancient Jerusalem. And this is what he said, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. And I imagine the people these ancient people, our spiritual ancestors, gathered around, wrestling with their own darkness that they don't want anyone else to know about or see, and sitting in a room where someone whispers or reads or sings these words, and suddenly everyone knows what they mean. Everyone feels it in their gut. Like a room full of strangers in downtown LA, I think the same thing used to happen again and again. And what's crazy is it would happen generation after generation after generation. And, and, and the interesting thing about this song is it wasn't just a piece of poetry, it was also a prophecy. Meaning that unlike a lot of the songs that sound like this, that we sing, uh, that, that sort of encapsulate our longing of what we hope for, what we want to happen, a prophecy predicts something that is going to happen. It wasn't just people with an awareness that things were dark for them, but it was a belief that one day light would come. And someone would appear that God would send and, and this person would lead them out of darkness. And one day, a star appears. It lights up the night sky and there are these people who seem to have it all who are looking to the sky. And as soon as they see something signaling Things could change and be better and be more hopeful. They leave and chase it. The story goes on to say in Matthew chapter 2, verse 9, that the, the star guided them further and it stopped over the place where the child was. And, and when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. So they get to the place like one of the, the, the sort of scenes like we saw in these paintings where they're at the place and the star is like resting over the house and they go in and they see the child and in, instantly like their soul just erupts with joy. Now this is fascinating to me because you're talking about people 
whose default setting is sadness, is darkness, is longing. But when they step in front of and stand next to Jesus, they're filled with joy. And I think in this moment, they realize something that begins to echo through the pages of the early Christian movement, this idea that the closer you get to Christ, the clearer you see everything else. That this sense of lostness and confusion, this sense of sadness, the sense of purposelessness, the sense that life doesn't mean anything, like you're stumbling through reality, like you've put on a good facade, but underneath there's pain. That there's something about drawing near to Jesus that begins to shine light on everything that's dark. And the feeling that people experience in this moment is not shame, is not judgment, is not self-hatred or insecurity. It's joy. It's this sense that like, I, I think I'm going to be okay. I think I am loved beyond anything I do or achieve. I, I think that God isn't angry at me. I think he actually is lovesick over me because I'm his and he's proud. There's a sense that like all of the fuzziness about their existence, all of the things they couldn't make go away by becoming the people everybody else wished they could be, that all of that stuff began to evaporate when they got near to the light that was Jesus this mysterious being that was God himself wrapped in light and that light wrapped in flesh and blood and bone. Come to earth to give us clarity about who God is and who we are. In fact, this is exactly who Jesus turns out to be. As he grows older and he begins to teach, he, he says things that maybe sound cryptic to us now when we read them, but given the songs that have been sung over and over and over again throughout human history, it makes a lot of sense. Jesus is, is teaching in the book of John, chapter 8, verse 12, and he says, I am the light of the world. And if you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. In other words, when you get close to Christ, everything else begins to clarify. And step by step, as you move in time with God, you have an understanding that you're going to be okay. I think about these words of Jesus and the experience of the wise men on Christmas, it makes me think of another set of song lyrics, ones that you probably know, even if you're not like a churchy sort of a person. These really old lyrics of, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I think these lyrics could have just as easily have been written by the wise men as if their soul through these lyrics were saying, like, I know I look like I have it all together, but I'm lost. 
I'm lost, but then I was found. Like I went on a journey to try and find God, realizing that he had been looking for me the whole time. Like I was blind. I felt like I had no idea where I was going and what I was doing, fumbling through my life, trying to figure out who I was. And when I got near to Christ, my eyes were opened in a way where things made sense and I felt whole. This becomes the crux of the gospel. So you have these wise men who travel all this way for years on end, leave everything else behind. They have this epiphany. They have this amazing moment where they see God wrapped in light, wrapped in flesh and blood and bone, and their perspective shifts. They, they, they think about and experience all of life and who they are and who God is and what the world is about in a totally different way. And after all this buildup, you know what happens next? They drive home. Because that's what always happens. That's what it tells us, right? It says, Matthew chapter 2, verse 12, when it was time, they returned home a different way. And you've had these moments, right? I remember when Gretchen and I first, when we, when we got married, and it was like every, all this build up to this thing, and then after it was over, we got in a, it was supposed to be a cool car, but it like it broke down and so we didn't, so we had to drive her dad's conversion van, um, which was not as like cool and sexy in the pictures. And, and then also it meant we had to like hold hands because it's like there was this chasm between the two bucket seats and we were driving away and it was just like, it was a weird moment because it was over. And she was like, she was crying, which wasn't how I envisioned, you know, like I was interpreting her being like, what have I done? You know? And she was like, it was just, it was so beautiful and it was so amazing. And what just happened, I've been thinking about and praying about and dreaming about my whole life and it, and it happened and now it's done. And now we're just, we're like, we're just driving home. What a weird experience. But there's this weird detail in this story that they, they went home, they returned home a, a different way. And part of this is because King Herod wanted the baby killed and they didn't want to tip him off because they're like, this light isn't just for us, it's for everyone. Everyone needs to experience what this baby will grow and be and do for the world. And so they go home a different way. But when I read this and I, I understand the story and what comes after it, I, I feel like there's more than one meaning here. I think they returned home a different way, meaning a different route, but I also think they returned home a different way, meaning like they were different. Like the way that they experienced and saw life was different. It, it could not be the same again. That when they left that place, they weren't the same people. I think this is sometimes something we don't always understand about hope and the Christmas story. Finding hope doesn't mean that you never have to return to the same situation, but it means that when you do, you are not the same you you return a different way. You return a different person. Because this is a reality of what Jesus came to do, to transform our lives completely. And sometimes God does this by repairing the situation, but he always renews our perception. This is the thing we often want God to do is to change everything that has happened and make things the way we want it to be. And sometimes he does that 
the thing he always does is change us the way we see and experience ourselves, him, and everything else. And when we maintain that connection, life becomes clear. What matters becomes evident. I think when we have an experience with who Jesus really is at the core of our being, we return to whatever it is we have to go back to with the conviction that the way things are today is not the way that they're always going to be, that there is hope. I think we return with the belief that like something new and better and different is possible, that we're not stuck. And in fact, God may have already set in motion something that is going to transform everything. I think we return with this dogmatic refusal to allow our disappointment to dictate our destiny moving forward. I think we return with this sense that no matter what we are in the midst of, that somehow in a mysterious way, that heaven is bursting forth in the middle of whatever hell we have to go back to. Because God, who is light, has invaded the darkest places of our lives and our world. And as we take the one step towards him after the universe he crossed to get to us, it changes everything. This is what I want to pray into your life today, that this holiday season wouldn't just be all of these traditions and nostalgia, but there would be this sense that the darkest places in your story brighten just a bit. And then as you take another baby step towards who Jesus is, as you take another step and another step, there is this clarity. There is a joy that erupts in your spirit because you understand that you are unconditionally loved. This is what I want to pray into your heart tonight. Would you do me a favor and just bow your head and, and close your eyes across this room? There's nothing magical about it. It just helps you to focus in this moment. And although I want to pray for everyone, I, I want to maybe pray specifically for a, a few of you. Maybe you're in a place where there's a lot that feels dark in your life, in your experiences, in the obstacles you're facing, in the moments that have not gone your way. And there's this sense that you were trying to do it all on your own. There's a sense that there is a song in your soul that's saying, someone lead me out the darkness. We really believe that that someone is Jesus, that what is missing is a connection with him that begins to change how you see and experience everything. Maybe you're at a place where maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time, you're ready to reach out and grab hold of who God wants to be in your life. And I want to tell you that you'll have the same experience as the Magi. As you draw near to him, what you won't feel is anger, judgment, ridicule. What you'll feel is joy. And if that's you, with nobody looking around, would you just slip your hand up so I know to pray for you? I'm not going to call you out or make you walk up here. I just want to know who I'm praying for this evening.
God, I know you see every single hand in the room. I know you see the interior of every heart that had the courage to raise that hand. There's a desperation and a darkness that seeks to overtake us and hold us down and hold us under. But in this moment, you're reminding us how you love us so much to cross a universe to light up our lives. God, I pray that you would enter into our existence with a sense of forgiveness, acceptance, direction, and clarity. God, we would have this sense that we know who we are, who you are, and what next step to take. God, we're grateful for the gift of your son. May it change everything. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. We hope you heard something that spoke directly to where you're at right now in life. To find out more about our church, hit up our website, southhills.org slash corona, or follow us on social media at South Hills Corona. And if our messages have made a difference in your life, help us get the word out by rating and reviewing this podcast. And as always, you can support the ongoing work of our church by giving through our website at southhills.org slash give and selecting the Corona Campus. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next week. God bless. Thank you.